1: Not only was Jesus baptized at the start of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, right before he leaves, he tells his disciples, I want all people to be baptized. I want you to go to all nations, make disciples, and baptize those disciples into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is telling us is that he wants all people to be baptized if you're here today and you are a believer in jesus christ and you've never been baptized you need to be baptized because jesus commands that all disciples be baptized he begins with baptism he ends talking about baptism
0: good evening I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles, and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message.
1: How many of you are thankful that the Lord's love never ends? Never ends. Never ends. Five months ago, we started going through the Old Testament. And last weekend, we started the New Testament. And everything in that Old Testament is pointing to the fact that one day the Messiah is going to arrive. And today, if you look at your bulletins, I'm looking today to speak on the subject, even the Messiah starts somewhere. We're going to look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry here on this earth. Turn to Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3. And I want you to note, if you look at Luke 2, verse 1, you have the birth of Jesus. That's where it begins, Luke's account begins to explain the birth of Jesus. Jesus. And if you go all the way to Luke 3, verse 23, which is really the only verse I want to see right now, because we're looking at when Jesus' ministry begins. Jesus himself was about how old? How old was he? He was 30 years old when he began his ministry. And all I want you to know is we really, we don't know anything, the the writer of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they fast-forward over Jesus's adolescent years, his teenage years, his young adult years. We don't know anything about Jesus from the time he was born till the time he's 30, except one story when he's 12. And his parents had been to Jerusalem, Mary and Joseph, and they were on their way back to Nazareth And on the way home, they turn around. They can't find Jesus. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. (laughs) And they were good parents, but that year, they did not win the Parent of the Year Award. Okay? They lost out to some other couple there in in, uh, Israel. And if you look at verse 46 and verse 47 of Luke chapter 2, where did they find Jesus? He was at the temple courts and he was confounding the religious leaders the elders with his questions the Bible says I think that's where they got the idea for the game show are you smarter than a fifth grader (laughs) I think that's where they got it but as you look at three verse 23 all I want you to know is that from his birth to when he begins his ministry we really don't know much about what happened of course he begins at age 30 and his ministry only lasts three and a half years before he dies. The president serves four years as one term. Jesus did not even last one term. He accomplished everything he needed to accomplish in three and a half years. Verses 21 and 22, what did Jesus do as he begins his ministry? What, hap- what did he do when he began? He was baptized. Jesus walked, he walked 77 miles. To be baptized by his relative, John. Because we know John's mama was Elizabeth. Jesus' mama was Mary. And the Bible says they were relatives. They might have been cousins. He walks 77 miles. Now, in your Bible, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all write records of what happened. I want you to turn to Matthew 3 because Matthew gives us a few more details about the baptism. And I want you to look at verse 13, Matthew 3, verse 13. It tells us that Jesus came from where? From Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And he walked. I have a map. I'll show you the map. And all I want you to know, he's 30 years old. It take, they can go about 20 miles in one day by foot, so it takes them a little less than a week. He walks on foot 77 miles uh, to be baptized by his relative John. We can't get people to walk 20 feet to be baptized, just about 20 feet from there to there. See the baptistry over there? Can't get people to go 20 feet. Jesus walked 77 miles to be baptized by John. Now, this is the beginning. Matthew 3 is the beginning. I want you to take your Bible and turn all the way to Matthew 28, the last chapter in Matthew. Just go to the very last chapter in Matthew. Don't lose your spot on Matthew 3 because we're going to be back there. Jesus begins his ministry by being baptized. In Matthew 28, he ends his ministry talking about baptism. You got that? They're bookends. Book ends. He begins and ends with baptism. And what he says at the very end of Matthew, after he's died, he's been buried, he's resurrected, he's just about ready to ascend, he gathers his followers and he says these words I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, and I want you to baptize. Those disciples in the name, pay attention to this because I'm going to refer to it later in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Very important. And so, what he's saying, not only was Jesus baptized at the start of his ministry, at the end of his ministry, right before he leaves, he tells his disciples, I want all people to be baptized. I want you to go. To all nations, make disciples and baptize those disciples into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is telling us is that he wants all people to be baptized. If you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized because Jesus commands that all disciples be baptized. He begins with baptism. He ends talking about baptism. In the Bible, baptism was by immersion. That's where we completely put you under the water. It's not a sprinkling of a few drops of water on top of your head. It's not taking a handful of water and pouring it on your head. In the Bible, it was a full submersion. Being baptized, and according to Romans six, verses three, four, and five, it's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a picture, it's, it's a symbol. It's it's a beautiful photograph of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And every single person that was baptized in the Bible was was by immersion. Now, the second thing is this Greek word baptizo. I want you to say the word baptizo. That's a Greek word, all right? Because when the Bible was written, the, the Greek word was the word baptizo. And just ask a person who knows Greek, what does the word baptizo mean? And just sit back and listen to what they have to say. And they will explain to you that that word is a word that means to be completely under the water, to be immersed or submerged. The third thing, and it's in your notes, is called the Council of Ravenna in 1311. Every single believer in Jesus Christ was completely immersed up until the year 1311. So, don't tell me that the baptisms here in the Bible were by sprinkling, because sprinkling didn't even get started until the year 1311. In fact, I did some research that in the late 800s, almost the 900s, that the Catholic Church actually practiced full immersion to the degree that they would actually baptize you three times. They would baptize you once into the name of the Father, you'd come back up. They'd baptize you into the name of the son they completely put you under the water bring you back up in the name of the holy spirit that put you back underneath the water for the third time the catholic church practiced full immersion for centuries and in the late 1800s they almost had a split because someone came up with the idea is it okay for us to just say i now baptize you in the name of the father son and holy spirit and just dun- and dunk them once is that possible And the church almost split over it, and they had another council to help uh, solve that problem. But it was in the year 1311 is where they changed it from immersion to having water poured on top of your head. And you said, well, why would they do that? That's a long story, but I'll sum it up with one word, and that word is convenience. It was for the sake of convenience. Long story made short. So if you ever get baptized, okay, if you ever get baptized... It needs to be by full immersion, number one. And you need to do it because Jesus set the example for you when he begins his earthly ministry. But you also need to do it because at the end of his ministry, he told the disciples to go and make disciples and make sure you baptize every disciple into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I've said this before. I don't even think you should get baptized because you want to get baptized. I think you should get baptized because Jesus wants you to get baptized. That's why a person is baptized. And I think that when Jesus was baptized prophetically, it was the first glimpse of his earthly ministry that there was coming a day, because it hadn't happened yet, when he was baptized. He was prophetically declaring that there was coming a time where he would die, that he would be buried, and that he would resurrect. He was doing it prophetically. When we do it, we do it looking backwards, saying, that we believe that Jesus did die that he was buried that he did in fact uh, resurrect from the dead. Now let's look at verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Verse 14. Oh, I love this verse. It says that once he got there, he gets all the way down there. And John tries to do what? He tries to deter him. Now that now they know each other. They're related. So they can talk, you know, the way they want to talk, I suppose. And and Jesus gets all the way down there and says, "Hey, John, how you doing? Hey, I need you. I need you to baptize me." And John goes, "No, no, 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 no. If anyone's going to do any baptizing, I'm not. I'm not baptizing you. you basically, you're the Messiah. If anybody's baptizing anybody, you're baptizing me, because John knew that Jesus was the Son of the Living God. He knew that he was the Messiah. Now." You know what you and I would have done if Jesus had knocked on your door? Jesus came today, knocked on your door, and you open, there's Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, I want you to baptize me. We, we would have said something like this, Lord, Lord, I- I'll do it, but under one condition. I need to make sure I get a photograph of this, because when, when I put this on Instagram, this is going to look really cool. A picture of me baptized in the Messiah, I'll do it, but I need to make sure we get a, a, a photograph of that. But see, that's not John, because John knew that he was not even worthy to tie or untie the sandals that Jesus wore. He had a pure heart. And so he's going, no, no, if anyone baptizes, not me, L- Lord, I need to be baptized by you. But look at verse 15. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness, and then John, the Bible says, consented. And so you have this picture in verse 16 and 17, as soon as Jesus was baptized, uh, the Bible says that he came up out of the water, and the Bible says at that moment, at that moment that Jesus came up out of the water, the Bible says that heaven opened up, and the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove. And then in verse 17, the Bible says there was a voice from heaven that said, "This is my son whom I love with him I am well what pleased." We believe, the church, Christians, we believe in this thing called the Trinity. I want you to know that the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. But the word describes a theology that is in the Bible. And the theology that is found in the Bible is that there are three different distinct beings, yet they're all one and the same. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all three individual, yet they're all the same. And that's a theology, the theology of the Trinity, but the word Trinity itself is not in there. But in this text, you see the Trinity because you have jesus in the flesh he walked 77 miles his feet are probably dirty they walk down into the river jordan you have john his relative baptizing him and as soon as jesus the son god the son comes out of that water you have the holy spirit descending like like a dove so you have Jesus and the dove, and then you hear the voice that says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, God the Father. You see the Trinity in this passage of Scripture. So we know that the Trinity is real, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Number two in your outlines, write this down. The very first thing that happens, he's still wet. He's still wet. He's tempted. The Bible says, and we're just going to go on through Matthew, look at Matthew 4, Verse 1, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by who? The devil. And verse 2 says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was what? He was hungry. Now, there's three things I want to tell you about the devil. Number one, write this down. This was par for the devil. Par is a golfing term. It's par for devil to tempt people. He tempts us. And what I want you to know is anytime you try to do the right thing, Satan's going to tempt you. I have thousands of illustrations of people who've come and been baptized. You come up out of that water, you you almost hear the voice of God because you know you're doing the right thing. And you think, boy, this is the first day of the rest of my life and I'm finally going to live for Christ. And I want you to know the devil's going to tempt you before you get home because that's what he does the reason he tempts you is he's trying to derail god's plan that's exactly what he was doing to jesus because satan knew that if he could get jesus to sin i know this is going to sound strange but jesus was 30 years old and had never sinned his ministry is only going to last three and a half years satan knows and and we know that when jesus goes to the cross it has to be a sinless sacrifice he has to be the pure lamb of god jesus has to be perfect he has to be sinless when he goes to the cross or his sacrifice doesn't cover our sins i mean if a sin a sinful person could die then anyone could be on the cross it had to be someone who had never sinned and so satan knows he knows Jesus just got baptized, he's beginning his ministry, that he has to derail God's plan. And if he can get Jesus to sin, he can thwart God's plan to redeem the world. You got that? And so at this moment, as soon as he's baptized, there's this epic, cosmic battle in the heavens and on the earth, trying to get Jesus to sin. So God's plan is completely thwarted and I have to say this to you anytime that i'm tempted to sin and anytime you're tempted to sin guess what's happening satan is trying to thwart god's plan for your life i believe that he's trying to thwart god's plan for you just like he did with jesus he tempts him in verse 3 with the lust of the flesh because jesus is hungry and so Satan says, hey, are you hungry? Oh, he's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. Why don't, if you know, you really are the Son of God. You've got all this power. Why don't you turn these, these rocks into bread? Then the second temptation there is in verse 5 and 6. He takes him up to the top of the temple. And we know that the temple was 180 feet high. At the top of 180 feet. He takes him all the way up there. And he says, you know, if you really are the Son of God, why don't you jump off here? And again, he's trying to thwart God's plan. The third temptation in verse 8 and 9, the Bible says he takes them up to a very high mountain, and he doesn't say to Jesus, he does not say, hey, uh, look at the kingdom of Israel. No, the Bible says that Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, and he tempts them with with that. So we have the temptation of the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. And in all three temptations, Jesus responds by simply quoting Scripture, which is why you need to be anchored to the Word. In verse 4, he says, Man does not live by bread alone. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Then he says, In verse 7, for the second test, there at the temple, he says, Do not put the Lord your God to a test. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. And the third temptation there uh, for all the kingdoms of the world, uh, in verse 10, Jesus says, Away from me, Satan, it is written. To worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, which leads me to the third thing about the devil, and that is the only way you will ever have victory over the devil is to put on your dress. I'm talking about your spiritual armor. If you're gonna go toe to toe with the devil, you need your spiritual armor. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us it has a list. The very first one that he lists is you have to put on the belt of truth, the belt of truth. That's weapon number one. The Roman soldiers had a wide belt that went around their midsection. It had a thing where they could hold their sword. And if you don't have a sword, you're not going to win in a battle in those days. You had to have a sword. That's another weapon there. And I don't want to get very graphic here, but the Roman belts uh, in those days, they had these thick leather strips that hung down like this to protect other parts of the soldier. And so this belt, the belt of truth, was one of the most crucial things for a soldier going into war because it protected all of his vital organs. And that's exactly what the Bible says in Ephesians, that when we fight against the devil and take our stand, we better have the belt of truth because the belt of truth is what holds us all together spiritually. You've got to get your nose in this book or you're not going to win that battle when Satan comes knocking on your door. And all God's people said, amen.
0: If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God, and prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. The greatest story ever told is more than just a cliche. God goes to great lengths to rescue lost and hurting people. That is what the story is all about. The story of the Bible, God's great love affair with humanity. Condensed into 31 accessible chapters, the story sweeps you into the unfolding progression of Bible characters and events from Genesis to Revelation. Using the New International Version, it allows the stories, poems, and teachings of the Bible to read like a novel. The story features a foreword by Max Lucado and Randy Frazee, and tells the story of a true God who loves His children, who established for them a way of salvation. Each story in these 31 chapters reveals the God of grace. The God who speaks, the God who acts, the God who listens, the God whose love for his people culminated in his sacrifice of Jesus, his only son, to atone for the sins of humanity. The story, the Bible is one continuing story of God and his people, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. You can also order your copy of The Story directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. If you are looking for a resource that will help make the Bible easier for you to read, then this is the book for you. Get your copy of The Story. The Bible is one continuing story of God and His people today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.